I, 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 I want to talk to you about why you should never give up. Now, there's lots of books about don't give up. There's lots of sermons and positive mental attitude, things that have been held and written and blow through town and talk about never give up. I remember that during the Great World War where the British, the British uh, premier, Winston, couldn't think of his name, Winston Churchill, was known for saying, never give up, never give up, never give up. In the heat of battle, when everything was going contrary, those were his words. And that was his speech. He stood up to give a speech and then he sat down after saying that three times. Never give up, never give up, never give up. But it occurred to me that many people never tell you why you should never give up. We assume it's because you have some place you want to go, go a goal you want to reach. Um, you haven't reached it yet. There's something yet to be obtained. Uh, maybe there's been failure and you need to overcome or what have you. But I, I wonder if scripturally there's an even deeper reason why God tells us to never give up. At the beginning of spring, there's a tree in our yard uh, that normally begins to bloom. You can see the buds on it very early spring coming out of winter as the weather warms. And uh, then it begins to get little pink and white flowers on it. And, and, and then it just takes off. And this is what it will usually look like in the spring. It's called a, a, re, a, a not a redwood, a red, red bud. Thank you. An eastern red bud. But at the beginning of spring this year, it looked like this. And a month went by and it still looked like that. And well after it should have had buds, it looked like that. And well into the season where it should have looked like that, it still looked like that. I went out and I looked for buds and there weren't any. This, this tree, when it's in bloom, is absolutely gorgeous. And we were so disappointed because year after year after year, it's looked like that, and then it just gets this beautiful foliage on it after this for the rest of the summer. It's just gorgeous. And I remember Nina and I talking about it, and I said to her, you know, I think we lost the tree. I think winter took our tree. I'm, and I started to imagine how I would cut it down. Where would I start? Would I start with the smaller limbs, get up on the ladder, and 
and then move down. And I, I know if I were to call our arborist and our, our tree specialist here who does this for a living, who cuts down you know, oaks and trees that are 50 and 100 feet high, he'd come in as he did in my backyard for three other trees that would have taken me a couple of days. And he just, and then with his hand, with his power, what do you call it? Chainsaw, right? It, it was, I was befuddled, I was amazed. And I knew that he could take care of this very quickly. Now our, ours is bigger than this and a fatter trunk and all of that. Je Jeff, if there's anything we can do to tweak that ring. Um, and so I was imagining how would I cut this tree down? Well, I never got to it and I never got to it and I never got to it. And I wanna show you what the tree looks like today. That's our yard, that's that tree. I was sitting on our back porch the other night and I was watering the lawn. I never water the lawn. We have an automatic sprinkler system. Who waters their lawn nowadays? I was out on the back porch and the sun was low and it was coming at an angle, really great angle, and. And I, I had one of these hand sprayers, those long ones where you can twist the nozzle into several different, you know, stream and spray and shower. I had it on a combination of shoot it out there, but it was in a mist. So in the sunlight, because the sun was coming from the west, I was sitting to the east on my porch, but spraying west. There was this beautiful sort of a rainbow effect in the spray coming out of the hose in the nozzle as I was watering the lawn. And I was watering a patch that doesn't get watered by our sprinkler system. And I began to think, you know, what's the difference? Because I know if I water this pr properly, that grass is just going to turn green over the next couple of days. It won't take it but a week, week and a half, and it'll be beautiful green like the rest of the lawn. What why does it look like this right now? And the easy answer is, well, it's not been getting water. But the why, the why of why you never give up was the fact that there's something in that tree. There's something in that grass that the scripture talks about being like our lives. There's something in the DNA down in the roots, down in the soil where you can't see that even Satan can't get to. Job in the Bible was wrestling with his humanness and complaining and uncomfortable with his circumstances and how that God was asking him to trust him in the midst of adversity. God was saying, trust me, there's something, Job, in your DNA, there's something under the surface that you don't know about, that if you'll believe me, if you won't give up, it's going to turn around. But Job in his humanity was complaining. Mortals have a limited lifespan. You've already decided how long we'll live, God. 
You set the boundary and no one can cross it. So why not give us a break? Ease up. Even ditch diggers get an occasional day off, God. Now you laugh, but you've thought this. You've thought this on your way over here. You, you've thought this, you've said these words in so many words this week. I've been saying it for a couple of months. <laughs> for a tree, now watch, watch how he shifts. He's in this complaining, but he shifts over into a spiritual kingdom principle that he's going to acknowledge because he knows it's true. For a tree, there is always hope. Chop it down even. And it still has a chance, doesn't it? Tell the people what you told me I had to do after you chopped those three trees down to be sure that they didn't come back. What did you tell me to do? First, what did you do to the stump? Okay, so you got to cut the stump down so far to the ground and then you sawed slits in, into the stump. He cut it down to the ground to where it was even and the grass would just begin to grow over. And he, he sawed slits into it and then he said, poison it. <coughs> Pour poison into these slits. If you don't do that, that thing will come back. I'm telling you, there's something God put inside of you that no matter how bad it gets, you will come back. You can rise again. Your best days are still ahead of you. I didn't want to get preachy. I just, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> For a tree, there is always hope. You chop it down and it still has a chance. Its roots can put out fresh sprouts. Even if its roots are old and gnarled, it's stumped long dormant at the first whiff of water. It comes to life, buds, and grows like a sapling. <laughs> Why a sapling? Because saplings spring forth and grow quickly. And the prophet from California said over this church, regrowth and new growth. All we need is a whiff of the Holy Ghost. How exciting is that? Isn't that good? I didn't know God put that in the Bible. I'm here to tell you tonight your dream isn't over. Satan cannot get to your roots. The only way you can get a root that will kill your dream is if you become bitter. The writer of Hebrews talks about it. He calls it a root of bitterness that will choke belief and faith and hope. All we need is time in worship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit and we will begin to bloom like a sapling. The DNA is in the seed. You see, God gives us our desires. That's why you should never give up if you are sure that the thing you are doing, you are passionate about. God put it there. Now, if you just started doing something because somebody asked you to and you're not passionate about it, if you're just doing something because it's what your parents told you to do or you're following in their footsteps in terms of maybe a business venture because that's what your dad was professionally, okay, 
If that's not what you're passionate about, if, if that's not what you go to bed dreaming and thinking about, if that's not when you have a chance to read, you don't read about that, that thing. See, there's a difference between your passion and just eking out a living and, and, and living in mediocrity. I'm talking about God giving you the passion inside of you that directs your life and calls you to what you are called to. Don't you ever give up on that dream. And as long as the gathering of Genesis, Genesis, as Saint, Genesis at St. John's, somebody called it last week. How about this for a new name? Genesis at St. John's. I thought it had a ring to it. As long as Genesis, when we gather, pursues our DNA, and what I'm going to just share with you real quickly here, we will be like a sapling. Look at somebody and say, you're a sap. Go ahead, just look at them, tell them they're sap. <laughs> ling, ling, add ling. Now, listen to me. It might not happen your way. Here's where you have to be careful when you're pursuing your dream. I have a good friend. In fact, this couple, husband and wife, are good friends. And uh, about two years ago, the insurance, as you know, uh, under the Obama presidency changed. Actually, I guess it's been more than two years ago now. And it, it forced, they did not have the kind of insurance that they could keep. They were forced out of their insurance and had to take on a new insurance. And this couple was lamenting over the loss of their insurance. This was a bad, bad deal. They didn't know how they were going to make it because this thing was not good. I was on the phone with them just couple of days ago and he said you know Jeff it's interesting how God leads us in what we often perceive as a failure or God's left or he's moved taken his hand away or our dreams not coming about he said but do you realize if we still had our old insurance not a oh let me let me add into here his wife got cancer over the last couple of years. She got cancer. And uh, I mean, it's the full-blown thing where now she's in treatment. And Jeff, if we were still on our old insurance, we would have had to pay for everything that's been done over the last year for my wife's cancer. Just the tests to determine which way the doctors were going to go would have cost me out of pocket $7,500. They hadn't even started determining the treatment yet. And now they've been through all kinds of treatment, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars as this thing unfolds. Here's what he told me. He said, you know what, Jeff? Now that we look back on it, we've not paid a single thing for all of the treatment of my wife's cancer. Not a single medication, not a single doctor's visit, not a single treatment. 
that would have come, our old insurance wouldn't have covered any of this, our new insurance covers all of it, and we haven't had a single expense. You see, it might not happen the way you think it is supposed to happen, but don't ever give up. This is why you should never give up. A year and a half ago, we hired a preschool daycare director to start a new preschool at our former location. I think everybody here probably knows what transpired in that scenario and that we lost our facility and lost the vision of the daycare and lost our director. I don't know if you know that this church, St. John's, has a full-time preschool daycare that they've run for years that they were about to close down because it had gotten financially in the red, they had lost their directors, teachers were leaving, and they were going to have to close the doors. I was on the phone with the director, the, the chair of their board, and he was, she was sharing this with me, and I said, wait, don't make another decision about your school. We've lost our director, I can't keep her, I can't keep her employed. Please interview her before you make another decision. They did, she did, they hired her, her name is Jennifer. She now in the last nine months has completely turned their school here around. They're in the black financially, They've got every seat full. They have a waiting list of 40 kids, and she just licensed some additional space where they can take on 24 more kids than they were able to. The pastor here can't say enough good about Jennifer. Now, think about this. You know how much and how important the vision of a daycare preschool was to us. Isn't it interesting? We would have never met Jennifer. I would have never had that resource to recommend to St. John's. And St. John's, in all likelihood, would have closed their school. We were here this last week and saw a bunch of those kids running around. It's wonderful. The neighborhood is being ministered to, blessed and helped. It didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. But now our church is meeting here at St. John's. And Jennifer and I have a, still have a wonderful, wonderful connection. And she's running the school here at St. John's. They could not be more happy to have us here. I've heard that from the music director. I've heard that from the pastor. I've heard it from Jennifer. I'm here to tell you, dear ones, You've got to see God's bigness. Big problems mean big opportunities. God is always speaking. Open the spigot. You gardeners, you know, help me out here. So if you take a couple pieces of pipe and you're trying to get somewhere with it and you join those pieces of pipe, but at a certain point you put in a spigot, right? And maybe along the line you put in another spigot or two and then you turn that water on and water's flowing through that pipe. How many of you know you'll not benefit from the water flowing through the pipe until you turn on your spigot. 
Now, water can be flowing out that spigot. It can be pouring and gushing out that spigot. But if you haven't turned on your spigot, there's water in the pipe. God's not a respecter of persons. All right, he doesn't bless one person and not bless the other. He doesn't say, well, you're not good enough. You don't tithe enough. You're not in the right, you know. Turn your spigot on because God is a God of blessing and he loves us. Sometimes you need to spend more time with positive people and separate from the complainers. Don't follow the crowd. So in my walk, I was out walking the dogs. How many of you walk the dog? Say, Pastor, I don't have a dog. Go walk the dog anyway. Believe me, I make one up. Get a fake leash. Walk the dog. God will speak to you while you're walking. I promise God will speak to you while you're walking the dog. Here's my conversation. Listen to this. Tell me you haven't thought these thoughts. God, why do I pray? If you already know everything, why do I pray? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to talk to you? And he said this to me. Well, that's walking the dog. Not really a spiritual moment, other than I dared to talk to him. He said, Jeff, communion and union are two different things. Webster says union means an instance of uniting or joining two things together, like in a marriage, something that is made one, something that's formed by combining a coalition. How many of you know you can be married and living on separate ends of the house? You can have a union with another human being and not even talk. <coughs> There's a difference between union and communion. The word communion means intimate fellowship or communication. So watch this. Blessed is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will, watch, read it with me, what's in the yellow now, this last sentence, and it will not be anxious or concerned in a year of drought nor stop bearing fruit. I'm here to tell you why you should never give up. Because there is something underground in your DNA that God put there by His Holy Spirit. And all it needs is some water. Don't give up. Don't get anxious. Don't fear. Don't worry about the drought. Don't go out and cut that down. I just, I came that close to cutting that down. That's what it looks like. You drive over to my house, that's what it, I took that this afternoon. Let's look at this. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of all seeds, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to come and to build their nests in. Look at this. 
It eventually, you're on a path. It doesn't come overnight. Some people think that if you start using your faith correctly, you should get it right now. Every Bible character you can point to in the Bible waited, sometimes as much as 15 or 20 years for the promise. You don't always get it, but it will eventually grow. You don't, might not see it right now, but faith and trust says you stay in there and watch. It's becoming a tree for birds to come to and build their nests in. Watch this. Then he taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits until the dough rises. Why are those two alike? Your dough is not your own. Your faith is not just for you. Your faith is for others. God's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And here, you're using your faith to get. God never told you to use your faith in a prayer to get. We use our faith to give. We use our faith to get a tree so wonderful, so luscious and full, that birds can come and nest in it. It provides for others. Then he says, look, the kingdom, my kingdom principles work like this. It's like yeast that a woman takes and he blends it. She blends it into the dough and kneads it and works it. Then she sets the dough aside. She comes back a couple hours early, uh, later or in the morning and the dough has risen because she needed the... Your life is like yeast. Your faith is like that seed that goes, grows into this beautiful tree that others can come and find Christ, and find rest, and find the gospel. You take your faith and you knead it into the life of others. You take your love, you take your joy, you take your positiveness, you take your smile and your great handshake, you take your knowledge of how loving God is, and you knead that into the life of others. It might take some time, it might take eventually, but that thing is going to rise. That tree is going to rise from the dead. And so tonight, my prayer isn't that you would have great faith. My prayer is that your faith would become a tree for others. The Bible doesn't say that the Word became Facebook. <laughs> the Word was with God. The Word was God and the word became Facebook? That is somebody's, that's a lot of people's ideas of church and community and, and going to church and being together in a gathering, Ecclesia, is to get on Facebook. Now thank God for technology and thank God we've used it and people have responded. But Jesus came to do life with people. So Jesus taught them You've got to get out there and your faith and your love needs to be needed. That takes hands-on, not Facebook. That takes hands-on. That's why I appreciate you coming here. Saturday night, I know how many other things you could be doing. I know you're tired from a week and you'd like to rest. And you just got out of work on Friday and now you didn't. You know you're here on Saturday. I understand that. But look beyond yourself. Look beyond your troubles. Look beyond those relationships and those dreams that have seemed to fail and right now look like a dead tree. Look beyond that and, and come up to a higher purpose. 
of your faith, which is to need your faith and need, you know, I'm not saying need, I'm talking need as in do, need, K-N, need it, mix it in with other people's lives. That's why God put Genesis at St. John's. So that our lives could be needed into the lives of people here at St. John's and people in this community who have never heard of Genesis. We have the most wonderful opportunity at St. John's to be needed into the life of other people. Can these dry bones live again? A new friend of mine said, Jeff, I was sitting with him at length talking. A couple of hours we talked. This individual looked me right in the face and said, do you think the church will grow? And I said, absolutely. It's in our DNA. Jesus is building his ecclesia. And he's just waiting to partner with you. He has not concluded everything of your future. He has not called an end to, seen the future, and decided with determinism, theologically determinism it's called. He has not determined everything about your life. He is waiting for you to partner with him. It's why Abraham could pray and it changed the people. It's why Moses could pray and it changed the people. It's why Paul said pray for people because he knows we can change people's lives. We're going to serve you communion, put on some music, and then I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural with us tonight of needing his presence and a revelation of our DNA into our lives in a greater way and then releasing us out into this community.